You're listening to Hashtag No Filter with Zach Peter. That's me, your naturally platinum blonde pop culture connoisseur. I'm the reality TV junkie, self-improvement addict, and host with only the hottest tea spilled fresh all week long. Those balls have gotten you into trouble, though. Oh, you? Yeah. They picked us because we're horny. Yeah. Right. And that's your chronic state. 24-7. <laughs> My life has changed so much that it's almost like a completely different life. From the latest news on The Real Housewives. I'm so happy to be here and engage with you. Deep dives into celebrity legal scandals and unfiltered convos with your favorite stars. I've got you covered. And yes, I always keep receipts. How many Fs do I give? How many Fs do I give? Zero, zero, none, not one. Zero, zero, done. Welcome on in, everybody. Welcome on in, welcome on in, welcome on in to an all-new episode of Hashtag No Filter with Zach Peter. That's me, Zach Peter, and I'm here to deliver the tea for you, everybody. Um, I hope you guys had a wonderful weekend. Hopefully you enjoyed Monday's bonus episode. It wasn't a regular news episode as we usually do, but it was a bonus episode. And I'm curious what your feedback is on that, whether you like these kind of personal life updates and personal stories. A lot more of them I release on the members only on YouTube. I just decided why not give the audio out? over the weekend as well. Um, So yeah, let me know what you think. Let me know what your feedback is and we'll see. Today I've got on Amrit from Family Karma. So stay tuned. He'll be coming onto the podcast after I do a little news recap because we got a lot to break down. We have this Robin Dixon thing on Potomac. Andy Cohen has grilled her on Watch What Happens Live. Tom Tom Girardi appeared in court this week on Monday for his hearing after being indicted on, what was it, five counts of wire fraud here in Los Angeles, eight counts of wire fraud in Chicago, in addition to the four counts of contempt. So... Lots going on with Tom Girardi. Give you an update on that. And then there's a a big update on the Brandy and Caroline stuff. There's a new report that came out in page six. And it's a lot to get into. So before we get into our Amrit interview, let's dive into this news. Because there's just, it's so much. And I don't know how I feel about all of this. And I don't know how you guys feel about all of this. So let's discuss it. Okay, so first up, there was a major news report that came out this week in page six after after Peacock released a statement regarding the Brandy and Caroline situation. Obviously, there was a report that Brandy was giving Caroline unwanted kisses, and there was an investigation that was launched as a, re- as a result of all of this. Well, Peacock came out. They released a statement basically saying the safety and security of the cast and crew while shooting is extremely important and we take our reports seriously. In this situation, production immediately launched a comprehensive review and is taking appropriate action. So kind of not really telling us anything while also kind of trying to tell us something, but basically telling us nothing at the same time. So... Page Six is now claiming that it was a lot more than unwanted kisses. Now, the story, the new story is that Brandy locked Caroline in a bathroom, locked the door, shoved her against a wall, grabbed her breast, grabbed her vaginal area, and shoved her tongue down Caroline's throat. So Brandy, since this story broke, Brandy has since tweeted out, check your sources, people, and then she added a poop emoji. I mean, this new story is wild. Like, wild things times 10 sort of wild. Now, again, I want to be very clear to everybody. All of this is still alleged and the investigation is still ongoing. So at this point, all we can really do is speculate without jumping to any real conclusions. But right off the bat, if this story is true, if it's true, then yes, that is assault. And if there's footage and audio to verify that and statements of witnesses to verify that, then yeah, very clear. Cut and dry, black and white issue, huge issue, and yes, this is assault. However, I do have questions because when I originally heard the story and when it was also originally reported in People, because I reported it on last Sunday and then People ran with the story first first thing Monday morning, and even though our details weren't exactly identical, they were, for the most part, I would say, I don't know, 85 to 90% very much the same. Maybe I had a little more details. Maybe they had a little more details. Maybe some of the details weren't exactly cohesive. But for the most part, the story was pretty clear from what Dave Quinn reported and what I reported. Not to comparing myself to Dave Quinn because he's like a real reporter on people and I'm just like a pop culture commentator with, you know, sources that people like to give tea to. So the version I heard is that this happened on camera. 
And that it was likely just Brandy in an attempt to kind of loosen up Caroline. That she was a bit of a prude. She was a bit of, stick, of, of a stick in the mud. Or at least my interpretation of the story that was told to me. And I verified it with at least four different people. Okay. So the story was Caroline was, you know, a little uptight. Brandy was trying to get her to loosen up. You know, she, I guess, tried to kiss her. Whatever. Dave Quinn reported that there were unwanted kisses. The women were having fun. They were drinking. They were acting kind of silly. And then Caroline was made uncomfortable, or she was uncomfortable, which she then shared with production the next day, right? This new version just to me sounds a little too crazy. Um, That it's more than just Caroline being uncomfortable, right? Like you would immediately like say something in the moment, report something in the moment, right? Like somebody locked the door. If somebody locked me into a bathroom, I would immediately freak out. And I, you know, I would react in that moment. I'm not trying to judge Caroline. I'm just saying I, it is interesting. Like if this happened, this is an interesting series of events, right? Locking the door. Like, that would immediately trigger me, and I'd be like, whoa, 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 whoa. I would say something. I would yell. I would make sure I had my mic on. I would immediately go tell a producer. Like, I would immediately notify somebody of this, especially if somebody was touching me unwanted and shoving their tongue down my throat. Like, that's that's a lot. Shoving the tongue down your throat. Like, do we really believe Brandy Glanville, who, yes, is openly bisexual, who's claimed to have hooked up with Denise Richards. She also, you know, admitted to hooking up with Carlton from season four of Real Houses of Beverly Hills. So, you know, she seems to have a type. I I mean, do we really believe that Brandy's type is then going to be Caroline Manzo? And she's going to go after Caroline, lock her in a bathroom, shove her against a wall, shove her tongue down, down Caroline Manzo's throat, and grab all her lady parts? And then just go about their evening until the next morning when Brandy allegedly text Caroline and apologized to her via text for making her feel uncomfortable. I mean, listen, Caroline seems like a great woman. Nothing against her. Her husband seems to love her very much. But, like, she hardly seems like Brandy Glanville's type. Like, Brandy just doesn't seem like a cougar tracer to me, you know? And why would these women rally around Brandy if they witnessed something like this? Because that's the version that I heard is that they rallied around Brandy. Vicky and Eva seemed to kind of clarify that because they supported. Um, they posted a photo on Instagram with Brandy. Uh, Vicky even commented on someone's, um, I believe that was like a Bravo account. That's like, oh, I heard Brandy threw a tray and said, this is for Dina. And then Vicky very quickly w- jumped into the comments and said, check your sources. This is false. So it seems like. Vicky and Eva seem to be standing by Brandy. We haven't really heard anything from the other women. But as far as I've heard, the women, for the most part, seem to have been, you know, supportive of Brandy and definitely seem to rally around her. And listen, Brandy's a firecracker. She's not really the type that's easy to rally around. When you're thinking of like, okay, who am I going to believe in a situation like this? Brandy or Caroline? I would think Caroline would be the more trustworthy source because why would Caroline make up something like that? But again... They, I haven't heard anybody rally behind Caroline. And again, this story, which is about an incident that is still under investigation. So we don't know the exact details. We just know the reports that have come out and the reports have sources. But if page six and people have the same sources, I feel like something's a little off there and something's definitely missing. And my version that I've heard from people aligns more with people's version rather than page six's version. And page six's version just seems so wild that I would imagine something would have been done in the moment, not the next day, which is when Caroline apparently claimed to have been claimed to have felt uncomfortable enough to mention something the next day. If something were this big, I mean, again, we're talking about being locked in a bathroom, throat shoved against a wall, tongue down your throat, like It just, to me, sounds, I just, I don't know. I just, I have questions, you know? The other part of the the story that's confusing is that production was the one that decided to take this to the higher-ups. Production's the one that decided to launch an investigation, not Caroline. That was very clear in the in the People article as well, is that Caroline was not requesting to have Brandy removed. She was simply just saying, hey, I was uncomfortable. And then production's like, whoa, we have to do something about this. So, or at least that was the version that was published by Dave Quinn. So again, I just, I have questions. To me, the story in page six, again, we don't know what happened. So my own speculation is not me trying to pick a side here. I'm just saying, logically, it just doesn't add up. Like, of all the women on this trip, 
I would think Brandy would try to make out with Eva, maybe Phaedra, um, Camille, you know, Caroline. Nothing against Caroline, but like Caroline? Caroline's the one she tried to shove her tongue. Like who's like, yeah, let me look at Caroline Manjo and let me try to shove my tongue down her throat. Not that she's unattractive, but like Caroline just doesn't give off the energy of like, yeah, I'm going to make out with you. It's nothing about her physically. It's more about like she's older. She has a very more mature presence to her that it's not, you wouldn't immediately think, yeah, Caroline is the type of person that I want to shove my tongue down their throat. In my brain, at least. But again, I'm gay. What do I know? Maybe, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. I just know the reports that came out last week and this new report from page six. I'm not saying page six is lying. I'm pretty sure they have sources, but I'm just like, it just sounds so far-fetched to me that it just seems a little over-exaggerated or maybe a lot over-exaggerated. And don't you think like if this were true and there was footage of this and there was audio of this, because obviously they were mic'd, right? So if they were mic'd, you would hear them in the bathroom. You would hear the door lock. You would hear Brandy hitting on Caroline. You would hear Caroline saying, no, don't touch me. Don't kiss me. Whatever. Like, I just, I don't know. I have questions. I'm curious what your thoughts are. Do you believe this new version? To me, it sounds very questionable. It sounds like a scandalous, salacious article and a great story and, or not a great story, but like a, 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 what's the proper word? Not an exciting story, but like a, an eventful story. It sounds like a story. Um, and it's definitely gotten us all talking about it, especially after the PR from last week died down. So it's interesting that a week later we've resurfaced this story and it's gotten more exaggerated. Um, yeah, I don't know. Let me know what you guys think. Okay, let's move on from Real Houses of Ultimate Girls Trip, Real Houses Ultimate Girls Trip Season 4, which, where where the fuck is Season 3? Like, I'm still waiting for Season 3. If anything, Peacock would be smart to drop a Season 3 trailer right about now, because then it would take all the attention off of Season 4. Just saying. Moving on. Tom Girardi appeared in court on Monday here in downtown LA. I was like, oh my God, hey, Tom Girardi is just down the street from me because I don't live far from the courthouse. Going to the courthouse and we're gonna get arrested. So he was joined by his brother, Robert, and it looks like he had two public defenders that were with him and his caregiver or who we believe was his caregiver. And homegirl did not want to be noticed at all. She had her sunglasses on. She had her hair covered. Like she wanted to be as incognito as possible. But so he had appear for his hearing here in Los Angeles after the indictment that came last week. And the judge approved his lawyers or his attorney's request to have a mental competency hearing. So as of now, for right now, the judge has entered a plea on Tom Girardi's half and that plea is not guilty until that they they can prove that he is mentally fit enough to stand trial because that's likely what will have to happen next is the trial. No date has been set yet for the mental competency hearing. Um, Tom was allowed to post bond at $250,000, which was signed for by his brother, Robert. So we'll have to see what happens next. But right now, like, I'm very curious, like what the evaluation is going to determine. I mean, I assume that there will have to be some sort of brain scan, right? I hear that there are blood tests that are, that can be con- conducted to see if there are certain uh, proteins or in the blood that can likely be a factor with dementia. I hear that there are certain genetics tests that can be done. I would assume that the government is going to probably try and pursue all of this and not just do like a doctor evaluation. Like, what is your memory like? What do you remember last week? What do you remember eating for breakfast? Like, I don't know what the, what the standard evaluation is, but I assume whatever evaluation he initially had, it was probably one of the, you know, easier Alzheimer's and dementia evaluations that didn't involve the brain scan and that didn't involve any blood testing or genetics testing, because I feel like if they had done any of that, that would have been, that would have come out at some point. They would have used that as evidence to prove Tom really does have Alzheimer's or dementia. And if they did conduct that back then, I would assume they would have provided that uh, Monday when Tom had to appear in court as proof being like, hey, here we go. Here's the actual proof. Here are the tests that we've already done that verified that this diagnosis sticks. So we'll have to see. He currently faces five counts of wire fraud and owes an alleged $15 million to clients that he embezzled. Um, he embezzled 
funds from here in Los Angeles. And then this is all separate from the indictment that happened in Chicago with the Lion Air plane crash families that Girardi Keese and Edelson PC previously represented, where Tom is facing eight counts of wire fraud and four counts of attempt or four counts of contempt. And that's also with his CFO, Christopher Camone, and his son-in-law, David Lira. I believe Camone also is being charged here in Los Angeles in addition to Chicago. I don't believe David Lira is being charged in LA. I believe David Lira, his son-in-law, who's married to Tom's daughter, Jacqueline, I believe he's only being indicted. He was only indicted in Chicago because, again, it was specifically in relation to the Lion Air plane crash families. So I also have questions here too, right? Like I want to know where did this $250,000 bond come from? That also sounds kind of low, Judge. Why are we only giving him $250,000 bond? Like, I mean, I get it. He's kind of old and he's not much of a flight risk. So that I'm sure that factored into it as well. And I, I hear he had to turn over his passport. So, I mean, he doesn't seem like much of a flight risk, but like $250,000 just, $250, just seems a little low. And like, where did his brother get that cash? And who's a paying for the assisted care facility? And how are we? How do we have two hundred and fifty thousand to be able to pay for the bond? And we're paying for the care facility, which I believe, if I remember correctly, is like eight grand a month. Don't quote me on that. That's solely going based off of my recollection of when he entered the facility, and I believe that was reported by Ronald Richards. So take that with a grain of salt. He's not the most reliable source, um, just because he likes to operate in speculation and like vague insinuations. So unclear. If that's true, that's just what I remember being reported at the time. But like, I mean, he dropped his attorneys to now have public defenders. But like, I'm curious what those public defenders are even doing. Like, are they having meetings with him? Are they having meetings with his conservator, his brother, Robert? Like, I'm very confused by this whole thing. A lot of people are upset that Tom was able to kind of just walk away and pay his $250,000 and peace out. I don't know. I really, I mean, I think the bond was way too low. People in in the courthouse, I know Kimberly Archie, you know, was claiming that it felt like this was all kind of an act and it was very performative. I don't know. It's possible. Um, but I also think, you know, plain devil's advocate, it's also possible that when you're in a care facility for the past two years and you kind of aren't really doing anything to activate your brain and you're in your 80s, like we see people like widows after they lose a spouse and they kind of just are stuck at home, like they kind of fall into mental decline if they're not actively exercising those muscles. You know what I mean? So it's possible that since then, maybe he has really fallen into mental decline and maybe it was just some sort of like self-fulfilling prophecy. And now that if they do an evaluation currently, maybe it will show that. I honestly don't know. The whole thing is confusing. The whole thing is jarring to me. And I'm very much like, I I'll know. I don't know. But I feel like I'm afraid he's going to get off easy. And that's my biggest concern is that he's just going to end up in the assisted care facility. And I know people have different feelings about that. Like I've seen people online and they're like, I would rather him be in an assisted care facility where at least he's paying the money and it's not on taxpayers dollars. If he really does have dementia, then is it worth it to lock him up? Because he's not even aware of what's going on. Is that justice? I mean, obviously if he were to go to prison, he would go into, you know, somewhere that would be able to care for him and his Alzheimer's and dementia diagnosis because people with Alzheimer's and dementia do go to prison and they do get locked up or they're there for a lifetime in prison and they fall down the mental decline while in prison and that's still on the responsibility of the prison to care for them. It's a lot and I don't know how to feel about all of it but I am afraid he's probably going to get away with this. How is he going to pay back the restitution, the $15 million in, in Chicago? He's looking at paying $3 million. I would assume that that's not going to be paid for by him, but that's still going to be the responsibility of his personal trust, his personal bankruptcy trustee, which is uh, Rund. We have Miller, who's running the Girardi-Keese bankruptcy case, and then we have Rund, who's running Tom Girardi's personal bankruptcy case. So all of Tom's personal finances and personal debts, that's being handled by Rund. And then Miller's over here, you know, the one that's trying to pay back all the debt that Girardi Keys owes. So unclear which one of them will end up having to take on this debt. I mean, maybe Miller, since Miller runs Girardi Keys and he's responsible. Well, I don't know. It depends on how the judgment lands. It's a lot. 
very curious what your thoughts are. Um, if you're watching this on YouTube, drop a comment below and let me know how you feel and what you even think is justice for Tom at this point. Obviously, um, what's his face? The CFO is still of sound mind and David Lira is still of sound mind, the son-in-law. So they can go to prison and they can have to pay back some of this money. So if they were complicit and and knew and are culpable and this goes to trial and they're found guilty, then yeah, I absolutely believe that they need to be locked up. And as I've told you guys before, each wire fraud case is punishable of up to 20 years in prison and they're facing a lot. So they're looking at lifetime in prison, all three of them. Tom's probably going to be the one that ends up getting off because... I mean, at least at this point, we'll be able to determine whether or not he really does have Alzheimer's and dementia, and we can put that to rest. And then what is considered justice after that? I don't know. Okay, let's pivot on over to Potomac, and let's talk about Robin Dixon, because it was, um, what was it, Giorgio on TikTok? He was saying that there was a woman that came to him, and she had some receipts, and she had a hotel statement, or a hotel invoice that she provided to him and she had text messages from Juan and she claims that they were dating for over a year and then she made Robin aware of it and Robin didn't want her to go public with any of this. And at first I was like, I have a lot of questions. Like, what does this invoice actually mean? We need answers, right? Well, then Robin came out on her podcast with Giselle, reasonably shady, and she revealed that, yes, she was aware of this and she did hear from this woman. And then she released a deeper Uh, a deeper insight into the incident with her Patreon where she went into it further and and got into more detail. And then she had to appear on Watch What Happens Live this week where Andy Cohen really laid into her about the whole Juan affair. And he seemed to not be happy with the fact that she kept it from the show and then ended up revealing this on Patreon. And her argument was that they had worked through it, that she was prepared to talk about it, but no one brought it up. And that she also talked about it on the free version of the podcast, not just the, the Patreon version. And then that's where Ebony was like, well, you know, I'm all about the paywall. I'm all about the paywall. I'm a podcaster and I'm all about the paywall. But I can tell you right now, she's probably making more money on Bravo than she's making from her Patreon. Okay, I don't think anybody's really listening to Reasonably Shady. And that's not shade towards them. I just don't see them in the charts every week. Teddy and Tamara seem to be ranked in the charts week after week. So anyway, Robin claims that the inv- that this woman, it's actually a really stupid story. Like the stupidest story I've ever heard. Um, and the fact that Robin even bought this is kind of makes me question her a little bit. Um But again, I wanted to give her and Juan the benefit of the doubt. That's why when I first heard these details and they were being reported on TikTok, I was like, I don't know. I have questions. Like, is this real? Blah, 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 blah. So she's claiming that the hotel invoice was that Juan paid for the room for her because this woman is dating another professional athlete. And this woman decided to come to Maryland on her own accord. She just decided she was going to visit for no real apparent reason, not to come see Juan, but she just happened to find herself there. And then she lost her wallet at the casino and then she wasn't able to pay for her hotel room. So then Juan, and she texts Juan and she was freaking out and he was like, okay, I'll pay for it. And my thing is it's like, Why would you pay for some random ass bitch's hotel room? Like, why? Like, how does that make any sense? And if she has a professional athlete boyfriend, why couldn't she call him and ask her boyfriend to pay for this hotel room? Why did Juan have to be the one to pay it? Like, why was that her first thought was let me reach out to him, number one. And number two, why would Juan pay it? Especially if all he was doing was just covering her room for the night. Like, I wouldn't rant. Like, if somebody called me and people, trust me, people slide into our DMs all the time. They're like, can I have money? Can you Venmo me 200 bucks? Can you do this? And I'm just like, fuck off. Like, I'm not just going to give a random person money that I don't know. I wouldn't give a random stranger money. If I don't know you, I'm not giving you any money. Sorry, period. End of story. Not going to happen. Um And then on top of that, it just, like, it seemed, like, Robin seemed to believe that this was just kind of like a fan of Juan's and that she just was, like, all hung up on him and maybe he, like, engaged in some sort of, you know, flirty messages with her. But it's like, she also had his phone number. Why did she have his phone number? What were they actually talking about? Where are the text messages? I want to see the text messages. The fact that Robin believes that Juan actually just paid for her hotel room with no expectations, nothing. And that this woman had nobody else to reach out to and call. Fishy. Weird. 
I don't buy it. I don't believe it. I think that there's a lot more here to it. And it probably looked really bad. But Robin's like, listen, we worked through it. We're all good. We fixed it. Also very weird. Also very strange that she just wanted to brush it under the rug and not even address it. And Andy's like, but this whole season was about infidelity. And you participated in these conversations about infidelity. And you talked about other people's alleged infidelity. But yet you didn't think to bring this up. And she's like, well, I was prepared to talk about it if somebody else brought it up. And he's like, that's not how that's not how reality TV works. You don't wait for somebody to expose you. You live out your life. And if this was something that happened in your relationship, which is a big part of your storyline as you're walking down the wedding aisle I mean it just it doesn't seem unreasonable to want it to talk about this Giselle never brought it up on camera and she loves to bring up other people's relationships very very fishy very fishy and then she sold it on the podcast and the patreon she still makes money off of the podcast because she makes money through ad revenue or sponsorships and then when it comes to the Patreon, she makes money because people have to pay for the Patreon. So she made some additional money on top of her Bravo salary. So people are like, should she be fired? I mean, I feel like this is a really big thing um, to kind of conceal. I mean, it definitely put her in the fire. I mean, honestly, I don't know what's left of her storyline. I think it wouldn't be surprising if they did fire Robin because again what's left in her storyline what's left in any of their storylines aside from Candace's aspiring music career which is really blowing up I don't even think it's aspiring anymore like Candace has really taken off and you know her budget for her music videos has gotten bigger she had Trina in it like she's living her best life so I think Candace has more story to tell Ashley I think has more story to tell considering one she has beef with Candace and two she like is going through this weird divorce situation that's also kind of like somewhat intriguing that I wish you would lean into that a little bit more. Um, Karen, what's new with Karen? What's going on with Karen other than her doing her live shows? But is that a compelling enough storyline for Karen? Uh, Robin, she married Juan. They got engaged. They got married. We watched their whole situation. I feel like at this point, I could really see Robin sailing off into the sunset. I know there was like a rumor that Andy was going to fire her on Watch What Happens Live or that she was going to get fired after they finished taping Watch What Happens Live. That's not how things happen. Um, usually it comes when there are contract negotiations and usually someone doesn't get a contract. And I don't feel confident that Robin's going to get a contract for next season. I don't think she brought that much this season. And the fact that she hid this, I think, is a big red flag. Um, and I think, listen, her story wrapped up and she got married. Character arc is complete. I think we can move on with Robin, maybe bring in some new blood. Um, Karen, I mean, I don't know what we're going to do with Karen. I think Sharice, as much as I didn't really like Sharice, Sharice is the only one that really made Karen interesting this season. But again, we have all these allegations that have been unfounded necessarily. I mean, everyone keeps talking about Karen's affairs, but she's not owning up to it. She doesn't want to talk about it. She shuts it down and runs every time. She hasn't denied it. Who else do we have? We have Mia. Okay, Mia's somewhat interesting, especially now that her life with Jay is in shambles. They lost the, the control of their franchises. So that's at least somewhat compelling. Like Mia or dislike Mia, she still has a compelling enough storyline. So Candace, Mia, um, Candace, Mia, Ashley. We have Dr. Wendy. Um, I don't know what more Wendy's brought to in terms of storyline, but I at least still find Wendy interesting and Wendy's still willing to get into the mix and kind of get scrappy, even though I've had a real love-hate relationship with Wendy, but I think we can keep her around. I don't know what we do with Giselle. Giselle has not given us... Giselle and Robin have really been disappointing. They haven't given us much. The most they gave us this season were calling out other people's rumors or they did their live show that totally bombed. So... Yeah, I'm not fully into as much as I like Giselle. And I think we keep her around, right? She's an OG. She brings something to the show, but I just don't think, I think we can get rid of Robin, to be honest with you. We'll see. Jacqueline was interesting too, but I don't know if they're going to bring her back. I feel like Jacqueline brought in. I feel like we can definitely add Jacqueline. I wouldn't hate adding Jacqueline to the mix next season. What do you guys think? Do you think Robin should be fired? Should she be let go after this season because of the, you know, hiding the affair, alleged affair? We don't really know. I think it was a little more than just a few flirty DMs. If you're paying for somebody's hotel room, sounds like there's a little bit more that's going on there. That's just my opinion. Um, 
yeah, what do you guys think? Should she be fired for hiding the affair? Should she be fired for not revealing it on the show and not talking about it at the reunion, but talking about it on her podcast and Patreon rather than on the reality show about her life? Let me know what you guys think. Okay, shall we move on to my interview with Amrit? I had a blast chatting with him. I'm excited to watch his wedding to Nicholas on Family Karma. If you guys aren't watching Family Karma, I highly suggest you do. So shall we dive in? All right, guys, I want to take a quick break to show some love to my pals at Chomps. The start of a new year always comes with new goals, right? Well, One of the habits that I love to work in daily is eating more healthy protein. It keeps me satiated, it keeps me satisfied, and it keeps me sane. That's why I love some Chomps Protein Sticks. Mm. They come packed with mouth-watering flavor and real nutrition in a size for everyone. They're gluten-free, certified paleo, and keto with zero sugar. Plus, they pack 9 to 10 grams of protein and only 90 calories Like, you can't beat it, okay? Their original and sea salt beef are delicious, but I have to say, their jalapeno beef is my absolute favorite. I like a little kick. I like a little zing in my protein. I like to pack them as a snack during those long work days, as a nice little post-workout treat, or to help cut those late-night cravings. They're great for taking with you on the go, so I suggest you go and get some right now. If you want, give them a try at chomps.com. Use code ZAC20 for 20% off your order at chomps.com. That's code ZAC, Z-A-C-K, 20 for 20% off. Head over to chomps.com, C-H-O-M-P-S.com right Welcome on in, guys. I am very excited because I have a very special interview with, we've all been loving Family Karma lately. It's into its third season now, and I know everybody in the Facebook group and even on Instagram has been chatting about the new season of Family Karma. There's a big wedding that we are finally approaching as as the season three comes to an end, and I have one of your favorites on the show today. Please welcome... The breakout star. That's what I'm going to call him. The breakout star of Family Karma, Mr. Amrit Kapai. Oh, hi, Zach. You're you're too kind. So excited to be here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to have you. When I told people you were coming on the show, they were so excited, and I got flooded with so many questions um, that we'll dive into today. But first off, how, how are you doing? How is married life, the newlywed life? It's good. It's all good, Zach. You know, that's the first question people ask you is like, so what's changed? (laughs) And, you know, at the beginning, I couldn't, I had a really boring answer. It was a very vanilla answer. It was like the typical answer you hear. Oh, you know, it's the same. We've been together for so long. It's the same. But that's, that's not as interesting of an answer. And it's not completely honest. Um, The answer I've sort of thought about um, over the last few months is here's the difference between being married and not being married. Before you're married to your person, you're committed, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, but that commitment, it doesn't feel official. It doesn't feel, you know, like it's recognized by the world. And internally, you know, even though you might be dating someone or you're engaged or you're exclusive, you know, you, you always, you, you might look at a person in the outside world in a different light sometimes, yeah. right? Maybe like, oh, but what else, you know, maybe that person I was connecting with at the bar or that coworker I was, I kind of had a little, you know, spark with, but once you're married, all of that goes away because there is no like keeping one eye open and be like, but what else? Like there is nothing else. This is my person and this is my person forever. So that is my new answer. That's the difference between being married and not being married for me at least. So it's the ball and chain. Totally. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Do you feel like your dynamic like with each other has changed a little bit? Like, cause now you can really be comfortable. Now you can let the guard like fully down and be like, listen, I can be a monster now because he's stuck with me. (laughs) There, yeah, the dynamic has certainly changed. You know, we're neither of us are going anywhere. The dynamic with our families has changed, actually, probably more than the dynamic dynamic with each other. And more than anything, you know, I think Zach when we were wedding planning and we were filming, it was a lot. There was a lot going on. There are a lot of very high stress moments. You know, there are a lot of very emotionally charged moments. So I think coming out of that simultaneously with going into like wedded bliss, 
I don't know what it's been, but everything has been a lot more relaxed. Everything has been a lot more easygoing between the two of us. So that that's good. You guys were together for 10 years, right? We were together for 10 years. And as you know, gay relationships have, they yeah, go all like, over the spectrum. Yeah. Friends, not friends, friends with benefits, broken up, friends again, dating. <laughs> So then I feel like you would know each other pretty well after 10 years. How do you feel like the marriage process? Because we're watching that play out on the show right now. And obviously we're seeing some differences. You know, your family's getting very involved. We have some some interesting issues going on with his family and his religious upbringing. So how do you feel like you learned more about each other through the process of getting married in comparison to being in each other's lives for the past 10 years? You know, that's a, that's a great question. and. Before we started this wedding process, I felt like Nicholas and I lived in our own little bubble, you know, our own little safe bubble where we lived, you know, before we had relocated to Miami, we were in Chicago. When we were in Chicago, we lived in like the gayborhood. All our friends were gay. We had our gay community. And sure, my parents were involved in my life. And but we very much lived in our own little bubble. Um, and I think once we started wedding planning, uh, my parents were more in the picture, obviously, they're more involved in, and more than just them, my sense of tradition, like this, this little Indian boy came out of me, it surf, he surfaced. And, and that's because, you know, planning a, a traditional Indian wedding, there are so many roles um, that are very specific to genders. So I think once we started planning this wedding, more of the culture class had surfaced. Whereas before, you know, we were just kind of doing our thing, living our, you know, happy gay lives. Um, and we still are. But I think, you know, once we started this wedding planning thing, we started realizing, you know, how different all, all car work cultures are and how, you know, complicated it might be to navigate the gender roles that are typically found in, in Indian weddings. And how have your relationships with your families changed now that, you know, you had to go through the wedding process? Obviously, we're watching some of the challenges, you know, between Nicholas with your family and Nicholas with his own family. You know, have those relationships changed at all? Yeah, they have. They have, you know, and Zach. Um, we had to be very delicate about this because, yeah. um, you know, our parents generation, um, they're not as used to the whole gay thing. It wasn't as out there and accepted and, and not now it's not just accepted, it's celebrated. That, yeah. That's what we're trying to get to. We, we, we don't want acceptance anymore. I don't want you to accept me. I want you to celebrate me. Yeah. So if you're just going to simply accept me, just don't be in my life at all, you know? Um, and I think that's, that's our mindset as, you know, this generation, but it might not necessarily be like that, you know, for our parents' generation. But I, I can't tell you everyone's, in a really good place, um, you know, him with my parents and, and me with his parents too, actually. Um, they're, they're such kind people. They love me like their own. And yeah, we've, it's taken us a while to get to that point. It certainly has. It, it hasn't been overnight, but, but we're, we are there. Um, but viewers will see in the last few episodes of the season that there, 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 is, there was a lot of conflict that, that surfaced. And, you know, Nicholas and not my way of dealing with conflict is very different. And I think that has to do with me being Indian. Um, yeah. We don't like conflict. <laughs> That's why when you watch Family Karma, you're not seeing us like flip over tables and like throw yeah. drinks in people's faces because that's just, that's just not who we are. Yeah. Um, but he, he deals with confrontation by talking it through right at the beginning. Yeah. Having a face-to-face -face conversation and let's, let's air out what we feel. Whereas Indians are kind of like, no, I'm good. Let's just smile hug. And then, you know, walk away. Sweep it under the rug. Sweep it under the rug. Damn, that rug must be so big for us. <laughs> so I think, I think viewers are going to see that, you know, in the last few episodes of the season. Was it challenging now that it's airing and we're, you know, obviously his family, I'm assuming if they're not watching the show, they're hearing about this being discussed on the show. Has that been challenging at all? It has. It has. And I, and I think it's going to be even more challenging over the next few weeks. But, you know, Nicholas and I have talked to each other. Um, we've spoken to each other, like our respective parents together that, you know, this this will stir up some emotions, obviously, rewatching it again. Um, will kind of trigger some certain feelings, but let's remember that, you know, we're at a good place, you know, we've moved on and, and we want to, we want to build, we, we want to build more on 
this connection because listen we're married now you know his parents are my parents and my parents are his parents you know that that's how we want it to be so it's a work in progress um and i think it's always going to be a work in progress gay or straight when it comes to marriage and in-laws um and i'm sure viewers have seen my other castmate slash best friends relationship with his mother-in-law and it's certainly a work in progress so did you learn much since obviously we were about to approach your wedding, but we just finished seeing uh, Vishal's wedding. Did you learn a lot from their process and, you know, everything that they went through planning a wedding? Oh, sweetheart. I had my yellow legal pad out and I had my <laughs> pen and I was writing all of my do's and don'ts. Um, I'm so happy he went first because um, one, you know, I'm, I'm just so happy to see them finally married, you know, Vishal and Richa. It's been a long time coming. Um, but more so than that, it was a good, it was like a good practice round for me of what I, you know, what we wanted and what we didn't want in our wedding. Um, Vishal and I are very different people. We have very different personalities. And I think people will see that our weddings were very different as well. Both beautiful and unique in their own way, but different. Did yours have a lot of rainbows? <laughs> No, I mean, my mom was decked out in rainbows. She carries this rainbow purse, actually. She wore it to the HRC dinner last Saturday. It's, it's so endearing, Zach. I can't even tell you. She gets this glitter rainbow purse. Um, but no, we did, we kept it a little more on the subtle colors than the full on yes. rainbow. <laughs> yeah, I I I can do without the rainbow sometimes. Sometimes I'm like, okay, mom, like this is a little tacky now. Like we can we can move on from all this. Yeah, stuff. I appreciate pride the parade, Yeah, yeah, pride parade absolutely looks like a rainbow threw up on me. I love yeah. it. For our <laughs> wedding, we wanted something a little more subtle. Yeah. <laughs> um, Nana Bananas on Instagram wants to know if you've decided on last names yet. Are you keeping your own? Are you hyphenating? What are you doing? So, and this is the honest answer, Zach. We still haven't figured it out. Um, it's been that same sort of, you know, dealing with conflict. I've kind of pushed it off, and he's kind of like every now and then, like, "Hey, sweetheart, by the way, we haven't we haven't figured this out." And I'm like, "Okay, go well, give me a second. Give me a second. Give me a second. A lot of people on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, they're like, we're just hyphenated. And obviously we've talked about that. The issue is, you know, my last name is Kapai, so five letters, and his is Kachukis, which is 15 letters. So long name. we just, you know how it was when you're taking the SAT, Zach, and you, I don't know, when I, at least when I was taking it, I get to fill out the scantron. Yeah. And, oh my gosh, our kid is going to be taking the first 30 minutes to fill out his name before yeah. the test begins. <laughs> So it just makes for a really long last name, but we haven't uh, made a decision yet. We've talked about potential options, maybe creating a last name. You okay. know, we, we can create our own identity because we're trying to create our own family unit. So that sounds kind of appropriate, doesn't it? What's the hesitation other than the Scantron? What is your hesitation? Um, you know, Do you just not want to give up your last name? Is his name really just too long and you don't want to embrace his last name? Is it kind of like the cultural thing of like, I don't want to take my partner's last name because of the gender role, the traditional gender roles? I think it's a lot of things, Zach. And honestly, I think it's an issue that even our heterosexual counterparts are dealing with. Yeah. You know, like it is our identity, especially now when both people in the marriage are working in professional roles, a lot of people. So you people know you as your original last name. For instance, my one of my best friends just got married and she's having the same issue. She's like, but I don't. And she's Indian marrying Indian. But she said, you know, I don't I don't want to give up my last name. I'm an attorney. Everyone in my office knows me as this certain name. Can you imagine now like you have to your whole extended network needs to learn a new name. So I think it's I think it's a variety of reasons for me. I don't think that either one of us should give up our last names, but I also, you know, once kids come in the picture, it makes it a little more difficult. Right. So I don't know. Well, Risha didn't take Bashal's last name, right? Or did she? She says that she's not going to, and I don't believe that she has. So I, I think this is an issue, a universal issue that couples are dealing with now more than ever, right? Yeah. It was just easier before with my mom. In fact, Zach, fun fact, my mom not only had to take my dad's last name, but the type of Indian that we are, Cindy, 
the the husband gets to change the wife's first name as well. Oh wow! So she had to change her first name and her last name. It was a completely new identity. Wow! But this this was in you know nineteen seventy something India, and life was just different back then. It's just not the same way now. Yeah. So crazy, right? <laughs> yeah, I had no clue that that was even a thing. Yeah, it's wild. How are things coming along with the kids? I know you know having kids was something that was really important to you guys. What are the options that you're currently, how's your sperm doing? I guess is the real question. <laughs> I give them a pep talk every morning. I wake up and I say, guys, you, you do your best. Okay. You know, they're a little scared. Mm. <laughs> no, I know. Um, we're working on it. We, we started the process. We're still very much in the initial stages of the process. You know, viewers have gotten a, a little glance into our process. We haven't ruled out um, adoption. We haven't ruled out surrogacy. So yeah. that's good. Do you have a preference? Um, sorry? Do you have a preference? I go back and forth. I couldn't tell you. I go back and forth. Oh man, adoption is such a beautiful thing. It really is. And I and I don't want to let go of that idea. Yeah. It's tough. It's really, really, really tough. Um, you know, at the moment, and then listen, we're not gonna get disheartened, you know, with what happened with our first analysis. Um, we we've had follow-up appointments with our doctor. We are um there are things that we can be taking to help it and we are so we're not going to rule out either either routes but if we've decided between adoption and services i don't know i mean what would what would what would you do if you wanted i to? mean i'd i would have kids on my own and i'm already starting to explore some of the early yeah. options for myself okay. um okay. listen there's no prospects in in the near future I, <laughs> there are no prospects and it's a long process and so i'm like i'm gonna start the, i'm gonna freeze my eggs now and start to put things on ice and see where it goes um i mean i would read I would love to have a child of my own. I w adoption is always on the table. I think I'll probably yeah. have more than one child, but I at least yeah. want one child that I know is, is, you know, my own flesh and blood. Not that there's anything wrong with adoption. I think adoption is a beautiful process and, you know, there are lots of children that need homes, but I would also yeah. just want to leave a little piece of me yeah, when I leave. Absolutely. And I think that's okay. You know, I want a naturally <laughs> platinum blonde little baby bopping around if I ever disappear one day, you know? <laughs> There we go. <laughs> yeah, it's tough, but we're still having the difficult conversations and we're going to continue having the conversations. How many kids do you want? I want, well, let's see how much money I'm able to make. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not as easy as just, you know, a pump and dump. Exactly. Like, let's drink cheap vodka on a Friday night. And <laughs> yeah. I mean, actually, um, it is that easy. You just have to get your permission. <laughs> I would love uh, two, at least. Yeah. Um, maybe three if we can make it happen. I like big families. Yeah. Do you think um, culturally you're going to instill some of the traditional values that you were raised with and Nicholas was raised with and how are you going to kind of merge that into, you know, this modern family that you're creating? Yeah. You know, one of the beautiful things about being in a gay interracial relationship is that we get to do everything on our terms. Yeah. And that's exactly how we did the wedding. And that's what viewers are going to see when they see the wedding. We got to pick and choose what we like. So there are many positive things about his culture and his religion that I truly respect and I appreciate and vice versa. There are many things about our culture, like the Hindu culture and religion that he respects so i think we get to cherry pick you know we get to, we get to pick what makes the most sense to us um and 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 why be exclusive to one route for instance yeah we can go to church one weekend with our kids and we can go to the temple on another weekend it, it doesn't matter where you're going to worship it doesn't matter where you're going to pray as long as you're doing it peacefully and you're doing it for the right reasons and you're kind i don't care where that is it, it could be in our house you know where we where we pray and it could be to whichever god but as long as it's it's for a good purpose that's all that matters to me so you know once the kids are in the picture we'll see you know i would love for both of our parents to be involved yeah. Um, but only time will tell. Now, you're on Family Karma, and you've brought to light a lot of the Indian uh, traditions, and you know, you've put your culture on display for the world to kind of get a peek into not just the Indian culture, but your specific families. And obviously, you know, two gay men going through a wedding, you know, you're challenging a lot of traditional norms 
And that's obviously, it's good for, you know, for progression, but it's also going to come with a lot of of, of feedback from people, right? Some people are going to think you're you're doing too much or you're not doing enough or you're, you know, what has that feedback kind of been like for you guys now that you're in your third season and it seems like Family Karma is continuing to pick up steam, you know, what has that kind of been like internally taking some of that feedback in? Well, honestly, that you think about it. We live our lives with everyone telling yeah. us how to live it. Yeah. Whether it's our parents yeah, or our true. community or our friends or our classmates, everyone is trying to tell us how to live it. So this is just another bucket of people telling me, Armit, you need to do it this way. Armit, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. So I'm, I'm used to it. I, I read it. I read everything with a grain of salt. It's so important to think independently. So I will read it. Um, and if I believe in it, I'll, I'll listen to it. And if I don't, I just kind of disregard it. Um, you're never going to do it the right way. Yeah. You're going to make mistakes, especially when for us, there's not much to look back on and be like, oh, but my brother's wedding did it this way, or my cousin's wedding or my friend's wedding. I've been to Zach. I've been to before mine. <laughs> I have been to one gay wedding, one gay wedding. And I've been out for over 10 years and I've had so many I still have a huge circle of gay friends but I just you didn't see them as much right so yeah we didn't have this like oh we got to do it this way because we've seen it done this way before um so we're gonna you know we made mistakes as people will see and we had really challenging conversations but it was so important to us to show our wedding on yeah. Bravo because I want all of my LGBT brothers and sisters to to watch the episodes and say think to themselves, wow, you know, this can be me. My wedding can look like this. It can be to a man. It can be to a woman, whoever it is to, it can happen. And I think that's the most important message, not how you're doing it, but that it's done. Yeah. And I think a lot of people forget too. a lot of people on Twitter, you know, they have big mouths, right? They have fast fingers and big mouths. And I'm just like, shut the fuck up. Um, But I think people forget that like when you're human and you're just living out your life, you're going to make mistakes and you're going to make big mistakes and you're going to say stupid shit and you're going to do stupid shit. And then like, but you learn and grow through that. And I think the more influential people are the ones that are willing to just live their lives authentically and not perfectly or not try to, you know, mask themselves in a way that projects this image of perfection. And I think, you know, people just need to give a little grace that like times are changing, cultures are changing, things are evolving. And, you know, I think a show like Family Karma that also kind of just opens up people's eyes and exposes us to different cultures and different backgrounds. I think that that's a great thing. And we're all learning and growing through this. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I remember a conversation I had with my mom when Family karma was becoming a thing. You know, our parents coming from India, being they're not born in this country, yeah. they didn't quite understand reality TV. They, yeah. you know, they didn't watch much Bravo. At least my parents didn't. And I remember this was when we were still working on, you know, family karma becoming an idea. She was like, "Oh, so this will be like Full House?" <laughs> and I was like, "No, I don't. I don't think it works like that, Ma. Um, there's no script. Um, it's just you. That is your role." And I told her, and I said, I want you to be honest with how you're feeling. And I want you to be honest in your conversations because don't pretend, you know, it has been a struggle for her to accept that her son is gay. It has. And if if you pretend it's not. And that's okay because that's such a real story. It's not okay in the sense that like, but like it's reality. And this is what so many families are facing, you know? Exactly. And you'll, I told her, I said, you'll help more people if you're honest, if you're not honest, and you're just like, oh, I'm president of PFLAG. I'm at every pride parade. I'm yeah. a gay mom or mother of a gay son. You know, like more, less people are going to be able to resonate with that because yeah. there are still parents that are struggling. There are still kids that are struggling with how their parents would react if they came out. So I, I, I told her, I said, don't worry about me. Yeah, I, I've got a, I've got very thick skin. I need you to be honest about how you're feeling. And if it's not something I want to hear, still say it. Yeah. Because it's important to have those conversations and to put that out. Because when people make mistakes, especially on a platform like reality television, other people are going to resonate with that. And then if you watch that person grow through that mistake, then those people that resonated with you will grow with you through that same mistake. And then you're also helping them expand their minds as well. Exactly. That's exactly right, Zach. So lots of people were asking, um, they want to know what your thoughts are about what Anisha said on Watch What Happens Live about your marriage not lasting. She seemed to come pretty hard for your relationship and Vishal's. 
It's it's quite comical, Zach, that um, my friend Anisha um, apparently is the guru <laughs> of marriage, um, even though I have yet to meet her mystery man. You know, Still. I'm trying to think that her mystery man wears Harry Potter's invisibility cloak all the time <laughs> because mm. I've never seen him. Um, listen, Anisha and I have had our issues um, and... I have certainly expressed my opinions about her in earlier seasons. And I'm definitely the type who can take it if he dishes it. Because if you can't take it, don't dish it. And that's not me. Yeah. So you know what? If that's her opinion, I don't agree with it, obviously. <laughs> um, but if that's her opinion, she's entitled to her opinion. And I have my own opinions about her and her relationship. And I kind of expressed them in last night's episode. And I think it's important. Listen, it's important for all of us to have opinions. I'd rather her be real and honest with me than to just lie. I hate when people say what they think the other person wants to hear. And, and you can very quickly pick up on when someone's just telling you what you want to hear and when someone's telling you what they actually feel. And if that's how she feels, all right. I mean, I don't love hearing it, but that's her opinion. Do you feel like she's being real and honest with you, though? Like, has um, she come to you and said, hey, I don't think your marriage is going to last? No, we really haven't had that conversation. This was the first time I was hearing it on Watch What Happens Live. So I was just as shocked as the rest of America. Because I was like, but we've never really, like, I've never, we've never talked about this. Or we've never expressed doubt about this marriage. In fact, we've only been married for not even a year. So I, I just, I just find it interesting that she won't go public with her relationship and she won't even bring her boyfriend around some of the closest people in her life. And she expects that relationship to go the distance and to last. When I think you, somebody that's been in a 10 year relationship now knows that it's when you bring this person around your family, it's when you bring this person yeah. around your friends, it's when they have interactions with the closest people in your lives that really put the relationship to the test a bit more, because you have to see how somebody's going to react around the people yeah. that are closest to you in order to really see, is this somebody that I can keep in my life? Is this person's value something that reflect the values that I have and the values that I want to choose moving forward when I build a life and a, and a family for myself? Yeah, no, you you pretty much hit the nail on the head, Zach, because we've put ourselves out there. You know, I don't know if that she wants to make it seem like her relationship's perfect and ours is imperfect, or even Rashawn Richa is imperfect. But listen, we've put ourselves out there. Rashawn Richa, they've they've gone through a lot. They've yeah. gone through the ringer, but they've clearly lasted 10 years. So you're gonna poo-poo on their marriage, even though we've seen all of the ups and ups and downs that they've gone through, yet we've seen none of yours. Yeah. Yours is going to last forever. When something seems perfect, Zach, it's probably not very perfect. Well, I think the other thing is when you're trying to sell something as perfect, that's when it really, you know, that's when you know there are probably some cracks in the foundation. Because if you have to keep telling everybody how great and how perfect it is without showing us how great and how perfect it is, it makes you question some things. Absolutely. So I take it you guys aren't close anymore. No, we're still, listen, Anisha and I are in a good place. We are. Okay. Um, we are in a good place. And I, I feel like I, you I, need to like call her and be like, girl, what's going on? Why don't you think my marriage is going to last? <laughs> Should I call her right now? <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I will say one thing. I am very happy for her. I know that she came out of a long-term relationship um, and that didn't go as she wanted it to go. And that sucks. You know, anyone who's been in a long-term serious relationship that didn't get, you know, the, the ring that they wanted or the happy ending that they wanted, it's tough. It's not easy. And you're guarded after that. And some people are guarded for the rest of their lives. And some people are guarded only for, you know, a few years until they're able to move on. Yeah. So I, I know that she's had um, a tough time, but I, I am happy for her. Um, I am happy that she's met a person that she, you know, can see her whole life with. Yeah. And I hope it works out for them. Earrings10 wants to know, do you think Brian is two-faced? <laughs> <laughs> Brian and I, Brian and I had, have had a season. Um, yeah. He, you know, lied to me multiple times about something. Uh, last night, he, again, sort of lost my trust. I, I, I don't know. I just don't know. I, I think I have to be a little guarded. Now, you know, I, I hate being guarded in, in front of close friends, but yeah. I just like, we're on strike. We've just gone through strike two. 
I think Brian has a lot of stuff to figure out. You know, I, I think he's navigating his life just like we all are. Yeah. Um, and sometimes, you know, I, I don't know if what he's saying to me is what he actually believes or what he's saying to me again, like we, we had that conversation. If what he's saying to me is just what he thinks I want to hear, you know, oftentimes I'm like, Brian, just, just tell me how you feel. You know, I don't need you to like, you know, pay me a compliment if you don't actually want to pay me the compliment. And maybe, maybe he's just um, trying to figure stuff out on his own. I'm sure he is. Do you think that the show has kind of affected him and that's kind of where we're getting this side of him? I don't, I don't know, because I wouldn't call Brian, like, arrogant. You know, I, I wouldn't call him, like, show-offy. He, he's a good guy. He's super nice. Um, but I do think he is... I don't know that if he's still lacking some confidence in his skin of who he is, you know, um, but I don't, I don't know. I mean, listen, the show has affected all of us. Zach. If I were to sit here and be like, the show hasn't affected me, I'd yeah. seem like this martyr, like this perfect guy. Yeah. Of course it's affected all of us. Right. Um, but I still, I still, you know, he's a close friend of mine and I still love him to death. You know, no matter what we go, what we go through, you know, you forgive and forget. And I think yeah. that's important because otherwise we would never have friendships that would last because yeah. every fight would end it. Every friendship, every relationship, they're always going to be the ebb and flow, right? You're always exactly. going to have the highs and lows. And, you know, I think the strongest friendships are the ones that go through conflict. I like going through conflict with people in my life because it always leads to resolution. And I'm never afraid of moving through the mud or moving through the fog because I know it always is clearer on the other side. It's just a matter of getting through it. And I feel like every time you go through that, it's like pe peeling back a, a layer of the onion and we're getting deeper and deeper to the core. And that's what ultimately builds those relationships. Agreed, Agreed for sure. Sarah wants to know if you've ever had a crush on Vishal. <laughs> so that I am very confidently able to say no. And, and uh, that, yeah, no, <laughs> he's not my type. I love him to death as a brother. He's just not my type. I don't know. Nicholas is my type, I guess, at this point, because I'm a married man. Yeah. But he's, uh, no, nope, I've never had a crush on him. I love him like a brother. We've known each other since, gosh, eight years old yeah. um it's just one of those things where you never look at that person in that light and yeah there was never any reason to you know i know a lot of people on social media like to be like oh michelle is gay he's not a little richer i could tell you right now i could confirm yeah. he is 100 heterosexual there isn't even like oh maybe he's like on the spec you know on the scale the kinsey <laughs> scale and no he's not he's he's all straight yeah <laughs> trust me <laughs> i just think it's funny how every time there's like a gay man in an interaction with another man straight or gay it's like people immediately want to like be like oh there has to be something there or somebody has to have made a move at some point or something like it's just the immediate yeah. you know our minds just jump right to that and I, I i actually i hate that i don't like that because i have a lot of like close straight guy friends you know yeah. And I don't want, you know, people to think, oh, he's gay. We can't be, we, we can't be friends with him because he's going to hit on me. That's what we're trying to do as a gay community to avoid. We don't, yeah. we don't want those stereotypes. Yeah. We don't want, just because I'm at a bar and I say what's up to a guy who's straight, I'm not hitting on you. Yeah. I'm just being nice. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes some of these straight guys yeah. need to not flatter themselves so much. <laughs> exactly. Like sometimes I'm just a polite person. I'm not trying to suck your dick. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, sometimes a straight guy is gorgeous, and yeah. maybe <laughs> and if they and if they want to meet in the bathroom, house, I'll meet you there. Tell me which stall. No, I'm kidding. I've never sucked anybody off in a bathroom. Not yeah, and the night is young. <laughs> um, Emery, is there anything else that you, any other misconceptions or stereotypes about you know being a gay man, being a brown gay man, being you know Indian, anything that you want to clarify for people that you think hasn't been showcased enough? Um, I think if I'm going to leave everyone with one final thought is don't allow society to place you in a box. And I don't know, that box can be labeled gay, that box can be labeled Indian, that box can be labeled heteronormative, you know, homosexual. I don't know what that box is labeled. Take that fucking box, break it down and throw it out the window because there is no box that you have to fit into. You create your own shape. Um, so that's what I would leave with people. <laughs> that's Absolutely. what I'm, at least that's what I've ingrained in myself. Absolutely. I think the the issue too becomes people find comfort in a box, right? They find comfort in being placed in a box because then it, it gives them a sense of identity. But I think to add on to what you said, 
when you're willing to step outside of that box, you find so much other freedom and confidence and just, you know, other layers about yourself that don't have to necessarily fit with this single identity. And I think that's why a lot of times people get caught up in tradition or they get caught up in, you know, religious dogma sometimes is because they like not having accountability in their own lives. So if they're told what to do and they're told how to live their life, it's easier that way. But you have to really ask yourself, is it easier that way? Because I'm not being able to really live to the full lengths in which my life can be. Yeah, and it is it is so liberating to live your life exactly how you are. It's so liberating to disregard what people think you should be doing and what people think you should be saying and how to live your life. So hopefully, you know, that resonates with people. Um, and it makes things easier for everyone. So married life is good? It's great. The sex is good? <laughs> sex. We're trying to have a baby, Zach. The so oh. sex has to be good. Keep trying. Keep trying. I'm sure at We're some trying. point it'll happen. <laughs> Thank you, Emirate. Awesome. Thanks so much, Zach. Guys, check out Family Karma on Bravo. The season is coming to an end. We are about to see the wedding, his wedding to Nicholas. So be sure to tune in to Family Karma on Bravo and also streaming on Peacock. So go and check that out. Give Amber to follow. Show him some love. Give him some love in the comments because we always like some love in the club. All right, guys. I love you. I appreciate you. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. Um, Let me know if you've been watching Family Karma and what your thoughts are. I love you guys. I appreciate you. If you want to keep up with me, you can always give me a follow personally at Just Plain Zach all over the internet, or you can keep up with the show for all the latest reality TV tea at No Filter with Zach on the Instagram. If you're watching this on YouTube, be sure to hit the like button on your way out and subscribe if you want more good spicy reality TV interviews or you want all the latest reality TV tea. Hit the bell notification button. That way you always get that notification up in that little top bar or on, on your phone notifications of like, whoop, hold up, Zach Peter got some new tea for you. And you'd be like, oh, hold up. I'm gonna go watch some of that new tea that Zach Peter got for me. So go. Give, give me a follow on, on the YouTube. If you're listening to this on the podcast, then you can always leave me a nice five-star review on Apple Podcasts, which I always love and I always adore. We're so close to breaking a thousand reviews, which I'm very happy about because I think I've told you guys in the past, like I've since lost my all of my reviews twice and we've been building back and building back and we're going strong. So I love you guys. I appreciate you guys. Have a wonderful weekend and I will talk to you very, very soon for Thursday Live. I'll talk to you then. All right. Love you. Mean it. Bye.